Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queen's Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community, and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3 p.m. to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions, or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. Again, welcome to everybody this afternoon. Really glad we're all here. A um, little bit of a disclaimer before we uh, move into this next. Um, t- today is going to uh, be a little different in terms of what I present to you, how I even present it to you. Next week's going to mirror that flavor just a little bit as well. And uh, after that, we'll be in a book, of, book study in the book of Ecclesiastes that'll take us right up to Advent in the Christmas season. Um, what I want to share with you is a little bit of a strategic ministry vision for the kind of church we are asking God to make us become over the next two years. For some of us uh, who've been around church circles, um, maybe if you haven't even been around church circles, just even in your business setting, in your job, um, you'll, you'll be familiar like with this from time to time. We just kind of have a little bit of a sidebar. We, we talk about a game plan, where we are now, where we're trying to go, and how we intend to get from here to there. I want to I share with you just some of that. Uh, before breaking up for summer, the elders of this church, um, David Brown, Andrew Barnett, uh, Luis Lopez, who is arguably having a better Saturday than the rest of us hanging out in Greece, and uh, myself, we got together and we united around a two-year ministry vision, and I just want to represent the elders and share some of that with you, and if you have any questions about it, you can go and consult with, with, uh, with any of us. You can come talk to me and talk to, uh, talk to the men that have been named um, as, as we're carrying this together. What I share with you, though, this, this isn't uh, watch this. It's, it's not necessarily biblical, though, though it is biblical, right? I mean, this isn't God's word for us. The, these were a few broken, fallible men doing our best to, to humbly submit this congregation before the Lord and, and try to move us, try to shepherd us in the direction in which he leads. And with that being said, it, it is biblical. We, we, we are looking to the Lord. We're trying to do this His way, and we're trying to work this out. I think you'll even be able to pick that up in the tone and the flavor of what I share next. Last thing I need to say, um, some of you love like lots of slides, lots of information, lots of details. Okay, today you're going to be served. Okay, uh, some of you are already shaking your head. Please don't check out. Just just hang in. Try to like skim a little cream off the, the top of this as we go. And next week we're going to try to talk about these same ideas in a way that's just for you. I want to give you a lot of information. I want to give you a lot of details here. Um, and, and with that is an intentional desire to be transparent with you, okay? Not saying let's go from here to there and kind of withhold some of the game plan. It's like, look, let's, let's go from here. Let's go to there and let's go in this way. And here's way like more information than you might think necessary. Okay, with no further ado, here it is. In the next couple of years, we hope to see the Lord work among us in such a way where we would plant deep roots into God, put down deep roots together, and then the result of that rooting in would be God bearing fruit from our lives in the season ahead. Roots and fruits, okay? Here's where we're coming from. After three years of patiently planting this church, uh, we're here. 
Um, the Lord kind of gave birth to the idea of this five years ago on the coast of North Carolina. And, you know, two years after that, uh, some people are in this neighborhood walking around aimlessly. And three years after that, like we're sitting in this room right now. It's time to focus on growing this church that has been planted. So we're calling for a season of embedding, a season of rooting in and anchoring down entering more deeply into the metaphors in Scripture of Isaiah 61, Psalm chapter 1, and John 15. John 15, of which we'll look at specifically this afternoon. But biblically, here's a frame of reference. Isaiah 61, Jesus' life verse in verse 1, said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Verse 3, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Verse 4 is beautiful talks about how God's people were going to go through, go through the land where it's just ruin and rubble, and they're going to be about the restoring work of bringing honor to God. Deeper into this is a faith family. Also, deeper into Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. The result of that activity is this in verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. There it is. Like our heart as some shepherds with this community. That's, that's our heart. Is that we be planted by streams of water yielding fruit in season. It's right, it's right there. John 15. We're going to consider this um, in just a moment. I am the vine. And my father is the gardener. Notice this. Like Thomas West is not the vine. The elders of this church are not the vine. Jesus is the vine. The father above him, the father is the gardener. So the, the father tends to the son. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. Look how to glorify the Father from John 15, verse 8, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So from Isaiah 61, Psalm 1, John 15, a couple of texts that are big in our hearts. We're talking about growth, but specifically what, what kind of growth? Um, just any type of growth that I can think of, whatever type of growth individually we're all good at. Um, we, we, we envision three specific sorts of growth over the next two years together as a faith family. First, and most importantly, we're aiming for spiritual growth. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. For some of you, this is your first time here. Some of you have been coming for a couple of weeks. This is an invitation. Like, get in on this with us. Like, like ground level. Let's become a church that grows deep. In the next two years, our hope for this congregation, in two years, we will have more Bible, not less, more doctrine. There'll be more knowing God. There'll be more making God known. We want to see relationships reconciled, like here amongst the body. We want to see relationships reconciled that we represent when we come around. We want to see healthier families, stronger marriages, healthy spirituality. Spiritual growth. It's going to require more equipping of members. It's going to require more developing of leaders. We envision faith and work, vocational engagement, stewardship initiatives. What does it mean for me to be a Christian in my job? It's something we're hoping to answer and to serve and to stimulate this congregation with in the next two years. So that will be the deep roots. We also envision healthy organizational growth. 
Um, this, this won't involve all of us, but this is something that will affect all of us in the room. This is where we say, like, as a team of leaders, it's an invitation. Let's become a church that grows strong. So in our organization, in, in some of the back office, in some of our policies, the way meetings run, the way decisions are made, let's, let's go from more systems, not less. More processes, more policies, more safeguarding, more structures to sustain and lead healthy spiritual and numerical growth. Part of this includes, but is not limited to, adding at least one more elder to the team over the next two years and developing the people who run the sessions and other gatherings here, developing them into a diaconate. The two offices given in the New Testament to help run God's church, elders and deacons. We've yet to develop deacons. We want to develop deacons in the next two years. Healthy organizational growth. Adding strategic staff when specific thresholds are achieved. Becoming a church that grows strong. The idea there is that the healthy organization would function as a strong trellis that the spiritual growth could hang on to and climb amongst. Deep roots, strong trellis, and wide fruits. In, in the next two years, we do, thirdly, but we do want to focus on numerical growth. Let's become a church that grows wide. And think, think about what we're talking about here. This could be transfer growth from other churches, you know, discovering somebody living in the neighborhood, member of a church 40 minutes away. Like, why go to that healthy church over there if there's a healthy church over here? Conversion growth from the harvest, striving to see 10% of the growth of this church come from the harvest. Like, not like we picked up a Christian on the way. That's great. Like, we welcome you and we need more of you, so bring your friends. But wanting to see those, once I, I didn't have anything to do with this, and now I'm in. I want to see that. Multiplying ministries, multiplying leaders, multiplying community groups. So this would be members of Redeemer being a blessing to their friends, their relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, and even our enemies. Not that we have enemies, but you know how. Now, how do we get that? If we want to grow, if we want to grow spiritually, we want to grow organizationally, we want to grow numerically, it's going to require formation. It's going to require that we get together and we, try and, and we work on growing. In our orthodoxy, that's what we believe. So we want to grow in our beliefs and we want to grow in our orthopraxy. We want to grow in our witness and in our living. So two ways we see, we see this happening is by, number one, organizing various venues for teaching and training. So specific topics and themes to help us grow spiritually. This is why we want to move into the book of Ecclesiastes next. And spend some time in this age of spiritual deconstruction, deconstructing modern conceptions of the good life. And after that's in shambles through Christmas, we want to spend some time focused on the way of Jesus. Pressing into the person, the patterns, and the pace of our Savior King. Thinking about how did He live His life and what does it look like for us to live a life shaped by Him. Moving towards Easter this year, we want to move into studying the cross of Christ be a teaching series on gospel renewal in all of life. Um, taking an early Pentecost right after Easter, before things really start changing for summer in May, want to study life in the Holy Spirit, how to connect with a person and the power of the Holy Spirit. A year from now, we see ourselves uh, studying faith and work here, in the con here as a congregation, connecting your work, your individual jobs, with the great purposes of God. How does what you do, how does, how does making a file somehow add up and compute in God's great grand, grand story and mission. 
We want to study that. We want to help you see that from God's Word, part of growing. And for this to happen, not only are we going to have to teach and train differently, we're going to have to have some new gatherings as well. So as a church, growing in what we even offer and what we do. So we need to develop some venues for learning and formation as well. Um, coming up very soon on, on this page, you can see continued development of our community groups, which do not start back this Monday week, but the following. Once a month, evening prayer meetings, which would begin in October, and equip nights. We would aim for six of these, hiring up a, a venue in central London where you, when you get off work, you could swing by. We'll have a time for more in-depth equipping. We teach the Bible when we get together in church week in and week out, but how can we press into doctrine and theology? I want to start hosting venues for this in central London where you can literally swing by on the way to the house. Anyways, Thursday's the new Friday, so we'll just go there together. We also envision preaching and teaching boot camps. We want to unlock the ministry and potential of this congregation. So giving men and women an opportunity. Here's how to study the Bible. Here's how to find a sermon. Here's how to find a teaching from within the text. And here's how to practice it. So just imagine, like 15 of us sitting around one day, different, different of us taking turns teaching, taking turns preaching the Bible, and receiving encouragement and feedback from our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is where we want to go. Next generation leadership development and the development of a theological training center as well. And you're thinking, well, team, yeah, we got one, but maybe, maybe it doesn't look up to, up to snuff or up to task. You're exactly right. We are asking God to do things that we cannot accomplish on our own, so we pray. In the season ahead, we're going to have to pray like we've never prayed before. We're going to see pray, grow, prayer grow amongst us. And we want to focus this vision in hopes and prayers instead of specific goals and targets. And I don't know about you, I've, I've been a part of some churches that they're really wrapped with some goals and some targets, but it wasn't really just like hoping and praying things into existence. We want to hope and pray some of this stuff into existence. So think about gathering for prayer and praying some of these specific things. Asking God for deeper, rooted, healthier people who depend on Jesus. Asking God for new ministries filled with leaders and volunteers. A movement of obedience to the Lord Jesus in all of life. What teams up from that will end God's timing would be stories of impact in various vocations across London and an evangelistic and enthusiastic spirit to reach London with the gospel. So finishing this up, imagine the potential here. A church that is deep and wide. It's where we want to go. This is, this is who we want to become. We want to have that moment where we look back and we're like, man, that was so sweet. God brought us that far. Just had a moment to spend a few weeks thinking more deeply about this and kind of tracking ourselves as we go. Are we moving in that direction or not? A church that is deep and wide. A church with deeper roots into God than we have right now. A church with wider fruits going out into all of life and all of London than we do right now. A church that's known for growing spiritually. Like we're, we're growing in our understanding of the Bible, doctrine, holiness, sanctification, and obedience. A church organization, an ecosystem, a trellis, if you will, that's very strong. Lots of policies, lots of safeguarding, lots of structures and systems to both guide and support the spiritual and numerical growth. A church that grows numerically. Yes, deeper into Queen's Park and even wider across London as well. That's it. That's what we're thinking. Deep roots, strong trellis, wide fruits. Pursuing a way of church that is deep and wide in a, in a, in a world, perhaps even in a city, where um, 
a lot of times we feel like we have to choose. Are we going to be a deep church or are we going to have influence? The answer is yes. The answer is both and. Church that is deep and wide. I'll refresh that next week. And again, the men who have been mentioned, um, we're here to, to, to receive you, to talk about this, to, to explain more and to explain further, okay? But that is not the only reason we're here. And take the next 15 minutes and try to encourage you about part of how we get from here to there. And that's by focusing on this theme of deeper roots. Because the theme of roots and fruits will be part of the operating system to everything we say and do for the next two years. So maybe back to John 15 if we can. And we can consider practically and strategically, like, how do we even move in that? Like, how is that just not some stuff that we talked about? Like, how can I actually be living this out and moving deeper into this? If you, you find a Bible around you, you'll, you'll need it. I think the page is 1018. I'm not sure. John chapter 15. Um, Camden, I mess you up. It was verses 1 through 9. It's an important part of the Bible. has a lot to offer. Jesus provides a, a concise and comprehensive teaching about what spiritual growth is. Like, what spiritual change is and how to have it. Context for us. John 15 is, is uh, from Jesus of Nazareth part of this upper room discourse these are some of his last words and uh, last words are meant to be lasting words um, he could have said anything kind of right here at the finish and this is this is part of what he had for us in, in John 15 it's his parting words to his apprentices who've been following him around paying attention to his life trying to live on his patterns trying to live off his pace this is what he has to say so let's have a look at the book Notice in the first two verses, Jesus utilizes the metaphor of gardening. For plants to grow, they have to be pruned. He calls himself the vine. His people are the branches. By implication, the only way that we, you can live spiritually is to be connected to this one. And yes, that, that, is, that is saying. Uh, so he's it, and other options aren't it. Um, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and there aren't other, other ways. So the only way you can live, the only way you can exist spiritually is to be connected to this one who's, who's divine, who's tended by the Father. So look at verse 3. In gardening, um, I had to learn a lot of this, especially before moving here. In the States, you just have a lawn mower and uh, you have a yard, right? You just kind of like walk it around. In gardening, some different tactics and techniques are necessary, I'm learning. In gardening, a gardener must come along strip away things that are bad. A gardener, surprisingly, will even come into a beautiful like rose bush and take away buds that look perfectly good because the gardener has vision for where it's going to go and will even remove some good things in order to make space for bigger, more vibrant blooms in its season. So this cleaning or this stripping can be painful. You ever see a, a, a gardener going to work, it looks like a mess. I mean, you just look around the feet of a gardener, it's just like stuff's torn, broken, cut. There's just piles of things that look perfectly good. The gardener has ideas. The gardener's preparing for seasons. And Jesus is cluing us into this. So this is how the Father's going to go as we abide in Him. So real growth, real change. You might even make some unexpected moves or some unexpected cuts in our lives. Gardner takes out our lives. He's going to take out those things that are going to keep us from being the most beautiful, the most vibrant version 
that he can create. It's part of verse 3. Verse, verse 4, the branch, it only lives if it's connected to the vine. The branch has no life in itself. You can't pluck a branch off, you know, walk across the other side of the garden, stick it in the ground, and, and get another one. That isn't how branches work. So there's going to be no spiritual fruit bearing on our own. There's going to be no, like, us running off from Jesus in a vision. No, we've got to be connected in him. We've got to be abiding in him. We've got we to be engrafted in him. We've got to be rooted down with him. So verse 4 is the big word, abide. The Greek word, minnow, which means to make your home in. And this, is what, this is what Jesus says. He says, look, make your home in me. Like, move into this. Don't, like, visit here. Don't let this be like a, a stop. If it's a stop on your bus journey. No, like move in. Settle down. Let's exist here. Jesus is teaching that if you plant yourself into his life, then his life will flow through you. Verse 15, nothing does not mean nothing. He says, apart from this, you can do nothing. I mean, here's the, here's the point. Nothing does not mean nothing. Lots of very religious people do lots of rituals in the name of Jesus without actually abiding in Jesus. So nothing doesn't mean nothing. Nothing could result to a whole amount of activity. Nothing does mean nothing of eternal value. Nothing that's going to last. Nothing that's going to outlive us. Nothing that can sustain without us. And that's the nothing we're talking about here. So then in verses 6 through 7, it's a sheer discipline not to give a whole talk just on these verses. You consider what Jesus is saying here. Branches that do not abide are destroyed. We're going to have to hang in. We're going to have to abide. And then verse 9, what an astounding statement. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I mean, I would expect for the, the love of the Father to the Son to be some type of, like, first-class love. And, I mean, we get, like, some, like, really good, like, really sturdy, sustainable, second, middle-class version of. And that isn't what Jesus says. He says, no, no, no. As the Father has loved me in that very way, I'm going to love you. It's amazing. Think of the Father's love for the Son. It's more than we can comprehend. Think of your own love for your own child if you have one. It's immense. Our love for our children is pale in the comparison that the Father has for the Son. And Jesus says, that's, that's the love that I have and that's the love that I'm going to show. So come, like exist in this love is the invitation. Big word, the big idea is abide, to remain or to root it's the big idea that comes from this teaching. What does it mean to ab abide? Is it a list of behaviors to follow? Is it a list of specific things that if you do, you got it. If you don't, you don't. It's not so much about the things that you do for him. It's about resting and the facts of what he has already done for you. The invitation for us, Redeemer, is to abide in him. It's to sit in his midst and to sit in his presence. It's going to require that as, as, as much as space as we have for him, like in our hearts, we're going to have to start reflecting that space in our diaries as well. We're going to have to practice Christmas. We're going to have to make room for him in our schedules, in our individual days, and in our seasons. 
We're going to have to have that heart level. I'm open to him. I'm for him. Part of growth is going to mean that's going to need to start taking up some space in our calendars, in our diaries. And it's beautiful because in a world of spiritual counterfeits, Jesus is the authentic one. In a world full of fakes and frauds and phonies, like Jesus is it. And you can, you can bet hard on him. Like, if you anchor down into him, spiritual energy and spiritual life will flow through you. This is where we just got to go back to the start. Like, this is either real or it isn't. And if it is, we can, we can unashamedly, we can go all in on it. We can rest in him. We can remain in him. We can make our home in him. He asked us to ten times in nine verses. So in conclusion, what then is spiritual change? Spiritual change, according to the Bible, is the life of Jesus coming into you. It's his person. It's the pattern and pace and practices of his life starting to take over each of our lives more and more. It's a weird thing to share this with you, to be honest with you, because I'm not, I'm not thinking... Um, about you um, entirely. I'm, I'm, I'm having to think about me. It's like, Lord, like, you're going to have to change me for us to go from here to there. Like, I'm going to have to change spiritually. You're going to have to grow me in ways. You're going to have to move me into patterns and practices of life that, that I'm not all the way home in. And this, this is what we're talking about. It's the life of Jesus coming into us. So, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God designed Adam and Eve. He's like, look, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. We're going to exist together. Just gave them a rule. They broke the rule. With breaking the rule, you break his word, you have sin. You have this massive barrier that comes in and now exists in, in, in the relationship. It's like the spiritual umbilical cord has been cut and now there's, there's going to be no ability for us to like, l- depend on him to have life. Somebody's going to have to come and to restore the cut. Going to have to bring us back in the end. So it's like the roots. It's like the, the branch has been cut off from the vine. So when that happens, our, our desires get corrupted. We're going to want things that aren't God. We're going to desire things that aren't God. And any change that we make, it must begin all the way down the level of our connection, at the level of our desires. So God is life. Because of sin, we've been cut off from him. We're drawn to things that act like they'll give us life and they won't. We'll build our days. We'll build our schedules around things that won't sustain us spiritually. That's what, that's what we get with our disobedience to God. Spiritual change means God's life coming to us again. So think about it. How spiritual change happens. What this will mean for us in the next couple of years. Spiritual change begins not by behaving differently, but by believing differently. So, Redeemer, I want to be really careful with you that I don't prescribe you behaviors and we just kind of scurry off from here and we just try to, like, behave differently. And we're looking around, it's like, no change. I'm kind of, I'm doing the thing. Redeemer, we don't really want to behave differently. We don't want to focus on that. We want to first focus on believing differently. And if we believe differently, eventually we'll behave differently. Let me explain. Spiritual change does not begin with what you and I can go and do for God. Spiritual change begins with what God has already done for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. So spiritual change begins with us sitting in that. 
being refreshed by it. We call this the gospel. We remember the gospel. We allow the gospel to refresh us. We think about the implications of the gospel, and we abide in that. And as we abide in that, then we even take time. Here's a behavior. As we even take time to sit, maybe for just 10, 15 minutes to start, in the morning, cup of tea or coffee, rehearse the gospel, and just sit in it. Imagine the resurrected Jesus right there. Be in his presence. You have a worry, you voice the worry. You let a resurrected king speak to you about what concerns you. And we learn to live in this. For the day, for the week, for the season. This is what we want these next two years to be. Sitting in his presence. Letting him address us about our worries, our fears, and our wounds. Changing us. And we who've been changed by him, we become agents of his change in the world. That's inevitable. Last thing we do is we drum each other up to charge into the marketplace tomorrow. Uh, we, we, We get alone with him and we let him change us. And he changes us because the gospel is an announcement. It's the announcement that God offers to save and love through Jesus. The gospel isn't a list of things that you have to like get busy with. It's glorious news. Now, oftentimes we have to get still with it. We have to get very patient with it. We have to get very focused on it. We don't have to behave on it as much. It's not a list of behaviors to be adopted. It's, a, it's an announcement over your life that you're beloved as you practice faith in Jesus. So it's not good advice. We're not peddling advice in here. It's good news. It's a verdict that gets pronounced to you and over you. And that's why we got to be sure we're getting around in here because the world out there, it is hard. All week long, lied to, mistreated, marginalized in different ways. That's why we got to get around. We got to have somebody almost help us recenter on the gospel, proclaim that news over us, remind us who God is, remind us of who we are. We got to get centered on Him. And in the next two years, we want to go deeper into the gospel and not religion. And there's a difference. Some people think spiritual change comes from religion. And I want to be clear about this because a bit of a diverse crowd coming from different places and backgrounds. We need to know what we are focused on and what we are not focused on. So I'll begin to conclude here. Some people think spiritual change comes from religion, which is doing things. And that is not primarily what we are focused on and what we are about. We believe if you believe the right things, you'll eventually behave the right way. But if you set your life on behaving a certain way, there's no guarantee you're ever going to end up believing the right thing in the end. Redeemer is a community where we want to rest in the love of God. And change in our lives comes from believing deeply what God has done for us. So there's two types of change. Um, Imagine Queens Park. Uh, imagine a few massive lorries like full of rocks and sand uh, were to like dump everything out in the middle of of the park there's there's mechanical change that's like we go out there with shovels and you shovel some up and you bucket some up and you got to move it like we had to move the whole thing 20 meters for some reason I don't know this is an insane illustration but if you had to move it we think of that as mechanical change that's like you work from the outside of the something trying to get to the inside 
Spiritual change happens organically. It's how a child grows. It's how a tree grows. It's growth from within working out. Religion is like the gospel. It's working. It's shovels and buckets and it's moving and sweat and it's labor. The gospel is inward, organic change. You almost can't force it. It's going to happen from within you. So think about the difference. Religion is salvation by tra- salvation or transformation through moral effort. But the gospel is salvation or transformation by divine grace. Religion gives a list of to-dos. And you know the world religions. Follow the five pillars. Follow the eightfold path. Even Christian religion, go to church. Read your Bible. Obey. Behave. But the gospel of God's grace, it's so good, it seems like it's not true. The gospel of God's grace says your standing with God is not affected by your obedience one bit. God's accepted of us cannot be gained by our obedience and it cannot be forfeited by our failures. And even at the outset of a vision like this, we have the words of Charles Spurgeon. He says, when I once thought God was hard, I found it easy to sin. But when I found that God was so kind, when he was so good, so overflowing with compassion, I smote upon my breast to think that I could ever have rebelled against one who loved me so and who sought my good. God's love changes us at the level of our desires. When we hear about this one that loves us, he knows us all the way through and he loves us all the way through. That changes us from the inside and it starts to work out from there. And Redeemer, we want to go to this. We want to rest on this. We want to go with the Apostle Paul. We do want to be the people who say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live right now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. And how that comes home to us is we can start carving out time to abide with him, to remain in him, to come home to him. And we sit and we think, where did he give himself for me? And we think about the cross. We think about Jesus willingly giving his life for sinful, silly us. We think about him who had no sin, choosing to become sin so that we who are sinners, we can become the righteousness of God. We sit in this. We let our souls steep in this. Our lives will begin to take on this flavor and we will change spiritually as our roots sink down into this and they soak into this. Right there in verse 9 is our conclusion. Jesus looks at his people and he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And John, who recorded this, he wrote to the church in Ephesus years later these words. We love him because he first loved us. So Redeemer, let's put our deep roots into God. We'll become people of love, but let's first focus on how he loves us. A moment for prayer. We even allow the band to transition. And uh, first, a moment of quiet for us to sit with this, allow the Lord to speak to us and to minister to us, then prayer, and then we'll respond with song. A moment for quiet.